Oh, hello, my friends. How is everybody doing? Welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast with your host, myself, Harrison Barron. Um, appreciate you for tuning in big time, and if you enjoy it, please subscribe. It it helps the podcast immensely. Um, helps get the word out there. Uh, kind of gives me an idea of how many people are listening regularly. And if you enjoy it, too, please share it with uh, your friends. Um, just give them a quick mention, you know, hey, check it out, um, whatever. And if you don't like it or you like it and or you think I could do something better, tweet at me, Instagram me, whatever it is. Um, get a hold of me so that way I can I, I continuously try to improve the show. With that being said, um, the I still have the giveaway going on. It's going till the end of this month. So the thirtieth of September, I'll be I'll be picking a drawing the first first couple of days of October uh, for the draft top, turning your beer can into a pint glass for the most part. Uh, it slices off the top of the beer can. It it really does improve the drinkability of the beer, um, and it's just a cool little invention. It's always always a conversation starter and stuff like that. Also, want to give a huge thank you to the Nerds That Care for sponsoring this podcast. Nerds That Care are your IT people. They become part of your company. They're an extension of your company. You can't afford to have the in-house IT guy who costs you a ton of money regularly, but you can afford an outsourced IT company, and that's what they are. You have issues in the office. You're having trouble printing something. You call the Nerds That Care. They will be there to to fix the issue You'll get support extremely quickly by somebody who lives in the United States on Long Island. They're extremely friendly service. It's super quick, and it's just it's it's great service. It really is. Uh, a lot of these IT companies that are coming up or or support for any of these major companies now is lacking so terribly that it's it's difficult to get what you really need. So that's something that they offer to your company. Um, it's huge, and as many as well as many other things like data backups for the disasters or data encryption, um, and and disaster recovery plans and stuff like that. So a huge thank you to them. Really, really appreciate it. Um, for my guest today, I had J.R. Alexander. Um, he's a good buddy of mine. I met him actually. You'll hear the whole story, but he's huge in the stocks and stuff like that. So please welcome J.R. Alexander. too much man Just hanging out here looking at some charts man how you doing good man good man um so where to begin because you've already told me a little bit actually a lot of it but i don't really know the whole story well we could pick up from where we started from where we were talking last week if you want so how did you get into um uh, for anyone who doesn't know um he um he runs stock sharks so my buddy junior do you go by junior I go by JR, but you can call JR. me Junior. JR, JR, Junior, same thing. Whatever. <laughs> Canada, Canada, same thing. Anyway, so yeah. you've been you, you run Stock Sharks. Um, it's yeah. a group that I'm a part of, and people can kind of go on there and and toss around ideas of what stocks and different things like that that are going on in in the marketplace, what's hot and what's not, and what's a good buy. Well, 
we'll all cut you off quickly. Um, it's a collected group of investors and traders, few from uh, different hedge funds from around the world, actually. And they all toss in their advice and their two cents in there, right? We're not giving anyone to say this is a guarantee what's going to go up exactly. We're just putting our two cents in the market and everyone can just clone invest or piggyback from the idea from there. Mm. There's, right. Yeah, because there's no way to tell what's going up and what's going down. Yeah, you never know exactly, right? And then, yeah, so there's that. But what I was interested in is hearing, how did you hear about Stock Sharks originally? So the long story of it is the way – oh, because I never told you this. Yeah, you were saving it for today. So I had – I have a client out on the North Fork of Long Island um, at a vineyard, and I had gone and spoken with them, and on my way out I wound up stopping to talk to the bartender over there. Okay. And we wound up shooting the shit – for well, it was like 20 minutes and we're covering all different things gaming computers stocks and all this and and i was like hey you know i i'm we, we want to talking about warrior trading and, mm-hmm. and that's like, another educational uh trading group you can yes. find them on youtube yeah um he's pretty he's pretty big and um so he's like oh he's like i'm a part of i'm just getting into a group called stock sharks and i was like stock sharks what's that and he was like oh you got to follow him on instagram so i followed you on instagram like weeks prior and i was, and there was all these pictures and things matt graphs that look fancy so mm-hmm. i was like all right you know let me see what this is all about and when i went and saw and when i went on there then i requested to join um and then you had the the free the free option for people yeah, we had the free trial for the first two months. Yeah, just to get it going. So I was a part of that for probably less than a week. Um, and then I asked the ridiculous question of how do you guys find out about all this stuff? Because there's a bunch of really <laughs> smart people in there. And I'm like, I spend the entire day on the internet. And I have no idea how these guys are catching up with all of this information. <laughs> um, and then that's how we got linked up. Because you were like, the internet. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> the internet's a very pow- underrated powerful tool a lot of business gets done on the internet nowhere near as much as face to face but the internet's slowly slowly taking over as more more people get educated on it of course so and then and then obviously we wound up shooting the shit and then uh we, somehow we rolled into the podcast and now you're you you listen which is which is huge and i appreciate that man yeah, I got turned on to your podcast, and then you eventually invited me on. So appreciate appreciate you bringing me on. No, absolutely. And you have a crazy story because you were telling me because you're 24 and you've already you're trading full time. You don't this as far as I know. You don't do anything else other than trade. I trade and I manage a few other businesses. Uh, we can get it. I'll get into that and explain that to you. Absolutely. So, so you want to start off going right there? Yeah, why not? I mean, you're 24 years old, and the fact that you've done all that is ridiculously <laughs> impressive. All right, so so for your listeners, so they understand my just what I do in general, I work at a private equity firm, and what I do at the private equity firm is I'm a full-time trader there. We manage outside capital, and what else we do? We do some real estate investing as well, And but the main thing that we do through the real estate and the stock market is we use that capital to raise more capital to invest into startup companies. So a perfect example would be that startup we just took a position in in New York. And that startup is called Pay Markets, which is a startup brokerage which Stock Sharks will be incorporated with eventually. And 
through through all the trading and the raising through capital real estate, we invest through these startups, right? And then we try to eventually sell these companies to bigger companies and make a profit from there for all of our investors. So that's the background of what I do on my full-time day-to-day. Now, my story starting off was I started off just as a full-time, you know, just average kid. I uh, went to university. I was playing basketball on a scholarship and um, had a, a, a family crisis sort of happen. Um, don't don't want to get too too much detail into it, but uh, to just yeah, pretty share much, as much as you're okay with sharing. Yeah, pretty much to just say that my my dad left us destitute, left me, and my uh-huh. mom, and my little brothers with nothing. We ended up losing our house, and we had to pretty much survive. Now. There's a whole bunch of other stories in between there, but I'll just get to the quick one, how I got into stock trading and how I got into private equity at such a young age. So I needed, I needed to really make some money and I needed to start working right away. I was already doing some trading as I got out of university and I actually was invested in Bitcoin earlier, like very early in 2012. I think we touched on that uh, last time that we yeah. spoke. Right. So after my father left us destitute and uh, he actually ended up going to prison for a little bit, um, I got a job at a bank and it was right at the bottom of the bank teller customer service, but I was a grinder. So they moved me up, got into mortgage sales and from mortgage sales and then from mortgage sales, I moved on up to um, security side of the bank. Now I was only on the security side for about six months, just okay. learning and moving from there and on. But from there I met a lot of good invest- investors from there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to give them a special good shout out right now. Uh, the six guys that who were investors with me before and they moved on with me into my private equity fund. They pretty much got my career started and they're the people who gave me the chance. They let me use their capital to invest in markets and great timing in the markets and the trades that we made that it ended up working well. And that's how you hear about me and you hear about the stocks that I trade. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, that's pretty much the quick background story. So as I mentioned earlier in that quick little background story, so around 2012 is when I was getting out of university. Well, sorry, I was not getting out of university. I was finishing up my second year of university and I uh, came home to a strange situation. Um, my dad couldn't be found. And remember, I come from a very blue-collar family, very like simple no craziness ever happened. My mom, dad, home, brothers at home. Everything's very simple. Oldest goes off to university. Then all of a sudden come home, there's all this chaos. So it was very, very not in my routine of things, right? Yeah. So to come home to that, that was just a very different different mind frame. So starting to, what's it called? Learning to survive at such a young age was very tough. So getting into different type of markets. And so I was learning about Bitcoin at the time. And I was making money, just doing all types of odd jobs here and there. I ended up saving $10,000. And with that $10,000, I was able to buy Bitcoins at $80 a coin. And I don't know if you have a chart or if you have a chart near you right now. Bitcoin is currently trading at $4,439. Jesus Christ, it's already up there? Well, it just actually had a huge crash this week, actually. So on Friday, it was actually trading at $5,000 a coin. And in China they banned the raising of ICOs in the capital markets. Okay. So that actually caused it to fall close to near 1,000 points. And now it's had a quite rebound once it hit the 4,000 resistance mark. So there's a bunch of buyers coming in. But we'll see. It's up there. So, so but anyways, back to the story. So for the two years invested in Bitcoin, it actually started to rally quite a bit. And a lot of people were calling me crazy. A lot of people who are going to listen to this podcast will know who they are. 
Um, and with that 10,000, it actually turned into a pretty solid investment. Now with the crisis that was going on at home, I actually actually had to sell and use that money to go, you know, survive. Cause it's not really, what can you, what's the point of holding something if you can't spend it, right? Just getting rich on paper, but really you can't pay bills the next day. Mm. So that was, that was my, should have been a millionaire story. If you actually do the calculation right now, if those, if I never sold those coins, they would be worth 6.6 6 million USD. Yeah. So you got to live with that every day, but it's a good story to tell people. <laughs> I have to live, I have to live with knowing the fact that I could have been a complete millionaire by now. Yeah. I should have been a millionaire by 22, not 26 eventually in two years. So, so, so there's that. So, yeah. That's incredible. Do you, do you like kick yourself in the ass for selling? Not really because we really needed the money. We needed to buy a car. We needed to get a new place. We needed groceries. We needed bills. And remember, I was just a trader at the time. Yeah. Right. This was True. before. This was before working at the bank. Mm. So I was just a trader. I was just making money through. Just got out of university. Only job I had. I was doing odd jobs, but then I was investing and making money trading. And at nineteen, twenty years old, all you really need is a couple grand to survive, right? Yeah. But then you got to start carrying people and start paying bills. You need a lot more than that. So you, I had to put on my big boy pants and start grinding. Damn, all for the family. Yeah, all that's, for the family. That's super, super uh, moving. That that's that's what motivated you to really get in. I mean, to make some money out of it. Yeah, and then just the educational side, I just I got really involved into the learning process of it, and just how everything shifted, how everything correlated with the markets. Once I started learning how commodity markets, how just the effect of a weather could affect a natural gas price, or can affect a soybean price, or could affect a corn price, it just started to just it blew my mind. And then it was right, at, and then I started to get into the markets about the early starts of the bull run in 2011, 2012, and don't want to give too much credit to your former president but he was pretty he was pretty good on that side and helped help rebound your guys economy very well and a lot of money i i kick myself all the time because there's a lot of positions that i sold early that i wish i never sold now because they're still running up right yeah so so yeah i got in at a great time like i if anyone was getting into the markets now like if i was getting if i was had my position before where, and that was starting today, I'd be a lot more skeptical because the markets are so pressure. There is such high cook pressure and they're so high and they're kissing all time highs. Who knows if they'll, I don't think it's a good time to be a rookie investor starting in right now. I was just happened to be at the time when everything was down and going up. So it was good timing. Damn. And also a lot of new companies came to market as well. Twitter. I was there for the Twitter IPO, Alibaba IPO. And then when I launched my fund, the first two IPOs that pretty much made my trading career was a Twilio IPO that went up 30% in two months. And Nutanix was, I believe 35% on IPO day. It went up. I can't, I can't remember exactly, yeah. but those, those two right there put my name on the map. And then from there, people started seeing my hot stock picks. And then it just snowballed into now, like what made you decide to, or did you start stock sharks or did somebody else start stock sharks? So my partner started to do stock sharks just as just as a fun account on Instagram. Now there's a lot of regulations, a lot of stuff that we post on stock sharks are any positions that our fund holds. These are just positions that I do in my personal account or anything like that, because mm -hmm. just based off of regulation, you can't promote your own positions and whatnot. And we're also our fund isn't big enough to report with SEC or any regulations like that. So we're still still small, but 
anyways, back to the stock sharks part was we were seeing other people doing the alert systems and doing stuff like that on Instagram and not to call them out or anything, but they're kind of just, you know, money grubbing guys. They're just doing it to find nitwits on the internet who are willing to pay them enough money to teach them how to trade stocks. Now we do charge for our subscription, but we're not charging to teach people anything. We're just, you're, you're, you're paying to pretty much keep our website alive and paying for the research. And it's just out of respect, right? Like you mm-hmm. saw how many people were in the free trial and yeah, now hundreds. you see that hundreds, hundreds. Now it's trimmed down to nearly 50 around, right? It's just up because to 50 already? Yeah, it's growing each day. And we just actually just got a subscription from a guy in Boston. As Right as you started the podcast, we had someone subscribe. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's growing and we're not doing, none of us need money. That's the thing, right? We don't, we don't do it for the money. We just want to do it for a community of traders who respect the information and the research that we get. Yeah. Damn, that's huge. The, yeah. And so it's stock sharks, like a... to answer your question, stock sharks would be just be a hobby on the side. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and that $10 or whatever, I don't even know what it is now if it changed, yep. but um, $10. it's, it's crazy because it's, it's so cheap. But it's a barrier to to keep like the people that don't want to put anything in, like. Well, we call them mooches, the people yeah, who just want. Just who want and those people won't be successful simply just because they expect everything to be for free. Yeah, I, I remember when I first started, I, I got laughed when I was talking about stocks and stuff. When I got at the bank, I didn't own an asset to my name besides Bitcoin. And remember, Bitcoin was very laughable at that time. Yeah. Extremely laughable. So you told people you own Bitcoin, they laugh you out of the door. Like you sound like a little kid. And then you get trashed for it. Nowadays, you can, as long as you look the part, people believe whatever you say. So there's a lot of bad actors out there. And I don't know, I just don't like people like that. And a lot of people just rather get something free and cheap than actually pay for quality stuff. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost like an epidemic. And I, and I, and I say that because with the internet now, it's so easy to get a hold of information. Um, good information is very hard to get a hold of, but it's so easy to get a hold of information. Or it's, oh, you know, I don't want to buy that book. Let me find the PDF version online. Or uh, Yes. Know, oh, yes. I don't, I don't want to buy that song. Well, I'll just find the free version of that song. It's like, you're not helping anybody by stealing it. Exactly. And if you think about it, imagine if you were counting on that stream or that play to go on and like you're an artist, you need that. Like as, as a younger person, I was totally that guy. You know, I'll take everything for free, take everything for free. But as I grew up and I started to understand what artists and people put the quality into their work, you got to you got to pay for it. Right. Like every book I own is a hard copy or I buy on the, the iBook store on Apple. Right? Yeah. No sense doing anything free from PDF because then even then you might you, it might even not even be the book. You don't even know if it's true because <laughs> yeah. it's for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I think when you actually physically have the book too, it's it's at least now because I I can say I've read one book. I know I want to read that book, Makers and Takers. <laughs> it's um, a good one. I've met, I've read my first book and I'm like it, the amount of information I've retained from it just by reading it. And I had started listening to an audiobook, and I'm like, this is just not the same. It's not. I need to sit there and really read it. Yeah, it's it's hard work, too, reading. like That's why I try to do at least 25 pages a night. Like, it's... God I used to be damn. able to do a book... I used to be able to do a book a week. Last year, I was at a book a week, but I've slowed down just because of the charts and analysis, and work's picking up a lot more, and we just took that position in that startup in New York, so I'm going to be very busy working on that. 
Damn. A book a week. Now, do you speed read or you just read regular and you just try to take it all in? So there's if there's a book that, that doesn't have too much detail on it, a lot of storytelling, mm-hmm. right? If there's not too much analytics I could learn from it, I'll probably power read it. Gotcha. Right. So a book like Makers and Takers, I will take my time and read every single page of it because there's so much immense detail on it. But say I'm trying to look at one of my books over here. Um, so there's a book I read uh, last month called The Only Game in Town. It's mm-hmm. by a guy named Mohammed Al Arian. He's on CNBC quite a bit. It's kind of just about a biographic about all the different central banks on what happened pre-crisis and post-crisis. And that one you can power read because it's talked about on the news so much and you can just, you know, just skim through it quickly. Yeah. Damn. That's cr- And a book a week. Holy shit. Yeah, man. Well, my friends, my friends think it's crazy. My investors love it, though, because they know their money is being safe. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just don't, I don't even, and the, I guess, and I've heard a lot of people, they say, you know, put the book next to, um, put the be- book like next to your bed and then yeah. you're, you'll be more likely to read or the toilet. Oh, never even thought of that. Yeah. It's super good. I love, or yeah, to keep it by the toilet. That's what I do. I keep one book by the toilet, one by the bed and one by the computer side. That way I'm forcing myself to at least always be reading or at least you're seeing it and then you know, you're supposed to be reading. And then that way you feel bad too. <laughs> and then you feel bad. <laughs> feel bad. Yeah. That's the main thing. Guilt, guilt goes a long way. Yes. Damn, that's cr- I still can't believe a fucking book a week. How many books have you read? Oh, I got a whole list here. Uh, I want to say I didn't become a reader until university. My ex-girlfriend got me hooked on the Hunger Games. And that's when I really, really started to get into reading. Because I just started to, you know, everyone reads before and everyone loves their reading experience. But you know when you get that, you get that good sequel, that good series... So let's say from university, I'll probably say I've read about 100, 120 books. Jeez. 100 to 120? Yeah, easily. Could yeah. be more. It could be more. I've given away a lot of books, too. So I order books. Anytime I get like a bonus check, I'll spend at least $1,000 on books. And then... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then anytime I have clients over or new investors or anyone, anyone I think that's going through something... I, mm-hmm. I have a book for it. I have a book for that situation, and just you read it. Give it like a little library. Give it back to me when you're done. Damn. And when you say going going through anything like personal stuff or like trading or something like that, trading business. So my business partner right now, he doesn't know much about the business culture in his own country, mm-hmm. right? So I gave him a book about um, it's called The Billionaire's Apprentice, mm-hmm. and it's a it's to do with a lot about in, uh, a hedge fund guy out of India, and he was one of the biggest investors in America in uh, 2008, 2009, I believe. He actually sat next to Obama at a dinner. Yeah, he's a big-time guy, but a lot of people, a lot of people even in his own community don't even know who he is. Like, yeah. in Canada, we have a huge Indian, East Indian community here, and nine out of ten people I talk to don't even know who he is. Yeah. Right? So, so I just say, well, here's someone that you don't even know, and you're you're gonna love this, right? And I got tons, 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 tons. I have every book about the crisis. Every book, <laughs> it just goes on. Damn, twenty five pages a night. You're down yeah, for cur- crushing some serious books. Yeah, I'm currently actually so I'm reading Makers and Takers, and another book I'm currently reading now is called God's Bankers. 
Okay. And that's about the history. I remember talking about that. Yeah, it's the history, and and because Game of Thrones just ended, and I needed something to, to fill <laughs> to, to, fill, to binge and to fill in that content void. And um, God's Bankers, it goes way back into time. It's almost like Game of Thrones times. There's just no yeah. magic and no dragons, but it's about to do a religion. And if you take away the dragons and all the magical stuff in Game of Thrones, you pretty much get what you got back then, and the powerful ruled, the manipulative ruled. Pretty much what it is today, but you see more of it then. You can still see it now, but we're phased out through Disney and Netflix, and we're distracted by numbers and colors that we don't really see what's really going on. But back then, it was really easy to tell. But a lot of people fell for religion, and that's, I don't know, I don't like to call out religion or anything like that because it makes some people mad, so I'm not going to do that on not going to do that on a <laughs> podcast right now. But um, the book God's Bankers, is if you've ever wondered about you know money and religion, Definitely read it. I mean, it's a three thousand page book, but it's definitely worth every read. Three thousand pages. Yeah, I'm I'm on page two hundred and sixty five right now. I've been reading all week. Jesus Christ! But I can't put it down though because it's amazing. Because it's it just really like, is that good. There's so much backstabbing. You would never think it. I thought the Catholic religion was so peaceful. I didn't know it was just as bad <laughs> as Game of Thrones. Somebody's gonna be triggered. Um... Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, now, and we had discussed this before, but I just want to reiterate so everybody knows, you met, you've done everything, basically, to this point, through the internet. Every single thing. Every person who's ever met me, like, so, my investors, a few of them know me before, through basketball, because mm. they heard about me through basketball, but besides that, everything from the internet. So, I used to run a mini blog where I would post my trading ideas and stuff like that. And it actually blew up to be really big to the point where I sold the blog because it got so much followers. The company, the company bought it, right? So, yeah, I made a name through trading and just stock picking. And I'm a nerdy guy. I mean, you're looking at me right now. We were just talking before for an hour just trying to figure <laughs> figure out the, the, the sound and just looking at charts and just talking about stuff. Right? That, was, I mean, that I- was the second conversation yeah, that exactly. Over, I didn't even realize our last conversation was an hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah, we were we were chatting for a long time, and we were just we were just talking, just talking yeah. about random stuff, right? So, I mean, I'm a pretty pretty simple guy. I like to look at charts and numbers. I mean, you see me in the group chat. I'm fairly active. I stay up. I'm watching, waiting for the Asian markets to close. I'm watching because I'm a, I I really believe in the uh, Tencent. It's a holding company in in Asia. They they own a majority stake in the, the app WeChat. Uh, the stock symbol is uh, T-C-E-H-Y. And it's one of the biggest companies in the world, and no one knows about it. It's extremely undervalued on the stock market, and it's just got extreme amount of growth potential. And you so can, I'm, can you buy that on the – you have to buy that on their market, not our market? Like the No, no. You, you could buy it on the United States market. It actually Because in China, they actually trade – their quotes trade by number symbols. So in China, the stock symbol would be 007700. That's ten cents stock symbol in China, mm. and in America the symbol is TC TCEHY, I believe. I believe that's what it is. Yeah, ten okay. cent, ten ten cent holdings. It's very very easy for any of your listeners who want to check it out and looking for a nice growth company to invest in. Ten cent holdings is one company I'm very excited for, just because in China the internet regulations are not like they are in North America. Mm-hmm. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff, 
Google, they have barely any pull in China. Only Chinese companies have internet pull. Yeah. In that, right? So, you know, communist government, how they work and stuff, so. Interesting. Uh-huh. And then when you find out about these, you just, you're reading online to locate somebody talking about it. Oh, so back back, oh, back to your question about how I've, I've done all my business online, pretty much, or how anyone's heard about me online. It's just, yeah. So pretty much, pretty much like how your friend told you about stock searching, how you had to join was, I'm pretty sure it was the, the, the company Turtle Beach here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we're talking yeah, about here. That was here, right? So I follow that, that here company, Turtle Beach, simply because my little brother, he uses the, the, the company. He's a gamer. He he actually just got his license today, so shout out to him. But um, he's a gamer and he uses those headphones. And um, I said, man, this is a, this company I wanted to throw on the stock exchange. So I go look at it. So I'm following this company for years just because – and one of my biggest things I do is before I invest in a stock, I like to look at it for about three to four months, just the chart and the volume and the time and sales before I invest in it okay. unless I know it's a winner for sure, like 10 cent or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. But anything like I like to if – if my buddy's going to give me a tip like, hey, check this out, I won't buy it right away. I like to watch it and see how it behaves. So I, I found here through my brother gaming. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. It develops a nice pattern. So I'm like, every time the stock hits, I'm not going to say the prices because I don't want to, you know, get too much people excited saying that, oh, as it hits that price, it's going to buy it each time. But if you if you can read a pattern on a chart, you can find what price it hits every time and it goes up. But as soon as it hits that, uh, that price, I told everyone in the group chat to buy and it goes up 30 percent that one day. So everyone who bought everyone who bought here made th- and th- I think that was like the third day that the group chat was open. And everyone, it was three to four days in a row where I had stock picks that went up 30 to 40%. And that's how it blew up so big because people were making a lot of money and it was for free. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. But, control, controlling the market. No, not really. Not at all. I'm too small to do that. I wish I wish I could control the market. I'd be talking to CNBC right now. <laughs> True. True. Do you think that, uh, do you think Warrior Trading does? Do you think he's got enough of a following? Uh, I don't know. Control I'm not something? too sure. You got to have a lot of you got to have big pockets nowadays to be moving the markets. I mean, you got to think a million dollars is nothing now. Like if you read the bio of stock charts, a million dollars isn't cool no more. If you think about is that it, that what it says? A million dollars isn't cool a anymore. A million dollars isn't cool anymore. I mean, the, that guy just bought the Houston Rockets for two point two billion dollars. Basketball B- team, billion, with a billion, B. billion with a B, right? So it's it's billion is the here's a, here's a quote I came up with in university: billion is the new million, and thirty is the new twenty. And girls behave, tw- and girls behave like guys now. <laughs> but that's for a whole nother topic. That's a whole oh nother topic. God. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's a million dollars isn't really cool anymore. Isn't that well, it's cool. Up? It's cool. It's cool. You'll be happy with a million dollars. Don't get me wrong. You're not hurt. Yeah. You're not, like we we we're lucky, honestly. Let's put let's put, put, put some things into perspective. Like what's going on right now in Texas, Harvey. Shout out to all the people there that are I suffering. Know. Right. My spoiled ass would never be able to survive that. Um, what else <laughs> is there? People in Syria. There's all the immigrant problem. There's a whole bunch of problems going on in the world. So I mean, our problems are nothing. But yeah, a million dollars in today's society is nothing. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> You're just another Joe. 
There's there's going to be more millionaires in the next three years made in the next three years than there ever have been ever before. I don't Isn't doubt that, that. Crazy. And then in the three years after that, there'll be a new record after that, and then a record after that, and a record after that. Because you can't stop it. The moment you stop creating wealth is the moment the whole system goes to shit. Do you think it's being? Do you think wealth is being created, or? Wealth, wealth is perception, just like success is perception, right? Yes. Everything in life is, is perception about what you're happy with at the end of the day, right? If a million dollar, if you can't live without a million dollars, then you got to do what you got to do to get it, right? Yeah. But yeah, it, it it all depends on what you define wealth as. If you're defining as you're buying, like perfect example is all these people getting rich off of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people now, perfect story. My big perfect example, sorry, my Bitcoin story. I don't think exactly I'd be able to cash out that six point six million, mm. like right in one hole. Like, what Bitcoin exchange would be able to give me six point six million cash? Do you know what I mean? Because that's what yeah. I would have done. I don't believe in Bitcoin that much to replace the entire monetary system. I probably <laughs> would have cashed out at two thousand, to be honest, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. So like, I, so. It all depends on what you define wealth as, right? There's a lot of people who just own a ton of stocks, but those stocks keep going up, and they take loans out against those stocks. But what if those and they have to have the loan out for what, say, ten, fifteen years, or yeah. five, five to ten to fifteen years, and they can't sell the stock, and then the stock market crashes. Mm-hmm. Is that wealth? Do you really have wealth? Like it all depends on wealth is subjective, right? I believe true wealth is real estate. The more land and stuff you own. Gold, obviously, not not the gold that I trade. That's electric gold. That's not real gold. I mean, physical gold in your hand, gold bars. Yeah. The, the men with the gold make the rules, and the men who, who make the rules break the rules, right? So Ooh, those I who like can, that. That's from that's a quote from Meek Mills. If you listen to any rap, that's uh, Meek. That's Meek Mills. That's off his uh, Dream Chasers album. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Applies very well to uh, to to stocks and finance. You'd find a lot of a lot of correlations between the drug 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 market game and the stock market game. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> They're probably not too far apart. Oh, well, they do business Just together. One, you yeah, know, well, one's a lot of cokeheads on Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, one's one's completely regulated, and the other one's not. Well, one's regulated by Wall Street, one's and the other's regulated by gangsters. <laughs> And police. And yeah, guns. There we go. Guns is a better example. Guns is a better example. Yeah. Guns is definitely a better example. The and now you've been doing this for what, seven years? I've been trading the markets for seven years. Okay. But professionally and other people's money two years. Two to three years. Going on my third year. Now that you've started trading other people's money and not just your own do you think you've gotten more affluent with with trading as opposed to because when it's your own money, you're just like, eh, it's just a loss, whatever, it's a couple thousand dollar loss on my end. But when it's other people's money, you're like, fuck, I'm losing other people's money. 100%. Now, your reputation's on the line every day. Your ideas are on the line every day. So in this type of business, one bad move can sink you, right? Like Warren Buffett says, it takes 50 years to build a reputation and it could be ruined in 10 seconds. Right. So, yeah, it definitely to answer your question. It's it, it's made me a better trader It's better made me a risk on trader, risk off trader. Some mm-hmm. trades like today, if you notice today, I didn't post any anything in the group chat because today I didn't make a single trade simply really? just because I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't see anything today. Nothing. There's nothing where I mean, I, I sold off a few things, but 
I didn't buy anything because I just didn't. There's nothing, and also the Dow fell 200 today, so there's really no point in making a trade. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's some days where you just don't have to do it. You don't have to be trading all the time to make money. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely made it's definitely made me a lot better trader. It's also opened a lot of doors for me. Like I said earlier, in the podcast. Big shout out to my first six investors, because of how those guys, I wouldn't have. I I'd probably still be working at the bank, trying yeah. to trying to start what I'm doing now. So without those guys, I wouldn't. I'd be nothing. I'd be nothing without those guys. Damn. Yeah. Now, where did you learn how to do all this trading and stuff like that? Where was it? Just you know, let so me my do... my first first taste of trading. While I was 17 years old, I had a university professor. I actually should give him a call after this. I'm going to send him a link to this podcast after. He'll he'll really he'll really love <laughs> That's it. Awesome. But uh, he showed me the ropes. He was a big basketball fan and. Um, I'm just gonna say straight up, I was a horrible student, man. I was, <laughs> I was a horrible student. I was an athlete, dude. I was, I was in it for the girls and for the for Friday nights. That's what I was in it for. I didn't know, I didn't even know what a stock was. <laughs> I'm gonna say straight up, I going into university, I had no clue what the stock commodity exchange, nothing. My parents, like my mom especially, she's because she's she's around lots. She can't believe what I do daily, right? She's just like this. From when you were younger, I I, could, I did not see this in your future, right? So yeah. my university professor, he was a big basketball fan. And our basketball team at the time was extremely good. Uh, our current coach, he's actually an assistant on the Boston Celtics now. Right, oh, the, team was, yeah, the team was very good. I was a bench warmer. I say that proudly, too, because that team was just so good. But <laughs> my university professor was a big basketball fan. But the, the, was really because the team was so good, it was really tough to get good seats. So for good grades we exchanged tickets for good grades now he was letting me skate by in his class and one day he invited me over for dinner and he said i want to show you a few things and then he shows brings me to his office he's got this like wicked setup all these computer screens like makes mine look like minuscule and i seen his account he's like check this out shows me his account balance it's like 2.2 million dollars i was like whoa 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 I thought only people in the NBA made that kind of money. What do you mean you got? He's like, oh, you have a lot to learn. So, long story short, I just started like hanging out with him lots, start seeing all these different stuff. He starts showing me all these things, and it was just from there. Just I found figure I can make a million dollars trading, right? So I started trading the markets. I lost all my money trading in the markets, trading binary options. You know, when you're 17, 18, all the people who first started trading if they're listening they know exactly what i'm talking about you go over leverage on a position and then you lose all your money then you got to restart and that's exactly yep. what happened to me uh, that was me <laughs> that's exactly what happened to me when i was younger and then i started again and have good good thing twitter ipo'd alibaba ipo'd i got on those and then i was working then i started trading bitcoin then i got a job with the bank and my invest like i said my investors made my career that's why i owe everything to them just because somebody gave you some money they gave me a chance. They gave me a chance. They said, you know what? Like, no one believed in me. That was the main part, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I was ready to stop, stop trading because no one was willing to take that risk on me. Because, you know, there's only so much time. Like, you probably you probably have experienced it. There's so much times before you're just like, man, why am I doing what I'm doing type deal? But mm-hmm. then you have a big break, right? So my first investor, we were just we were literally just having Vietnamese food one day. And um, it's right after I got laid off at the bank. And um, they they did a mass firing of everyone who was younger, and we're wow. just having some we're just having some Vietnamese food. And he's like, "Well, so what are you going to do?" I'm like, "Well, I'm just going to go home and trade, and then figure some things out." 
And then um, he's like, well, why don't – what do you mean trade? And then from there it was just like he saw everything and he was like, okay, I'm going to take a risk on you. We're going to get a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. And we found some people who wanted to invest. And then from there on it was just – it was great. Damn. Found a way to, found a way to convert – a six-figure fund into a seven-figure fund in two years, so works. Damn, that's sick. Yeah, that's so sick. And now I don't know if you're allowed to answer this, so whatever, feel free to say I can't answer. But when you're yeah, managing no. all this money, is it like all in one pool, and then everybody gets a chunk at the end of it, or is it like everybody gets a certain percentage? Like, how, like how does that even I, work? I, I, I can answer this. This is an easy one to answer. So I get to keep 25 percent of all profits. Mm-hmm. Right. So anything that the company makes, I retain 25 percent, but they all make their profits. So it'd be like it's so like how I gave you guys tips would be like if you guys bought with your own money, I'm just buying it with their money. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But I keep 25 percent of the profits because I'm doing a lot more than just one or two trades with their money. And it's four or five year term. It's pretty, pretty intense. And there's a there's a minimum, a five figure minimum to invest. So. Damn. Yeah. And now when you're. Oh, that's got to be so nerve-wracking managing that many people that other people's money. <laughs> it it can be, it can be especially because I'm young. But the the one thing was they believed in me, mm-hmm. and they also they also told me now they also said don't lose the money. I don't want to do that. But they're they're good. They're well-off people, so they're they're cons- it, it is nerve-wracking. Don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying here like it's very. Oh, I don't know. I can lose it tomorrow. I'll be fine. Trust me. I'd probably be very upset and be very depressed for a long time if my fund was to shut her down the next day but they're very good without with keeping the pressure off we, we could say that keep it easier oh that's good yeah yeah they they understand the stress that comes with it so that's crazy and now you sleep because i still couldn't believe this you sleep about what four and a half to five hours a night if that four four hours i can do four hours that's pretty much all i need now, do you have like a ridiculously strict diet where you eat super healthy that you sleep for four hours, or just oh, because you're not oh, like no. killing yourself every day? Oh no, I eat horribly. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I eat need to the worst. That. I need to change that. I literally, I had pizza for breakfast today. Um, I got to get on the healthy thing. I've I've been reading a lot of healthy stuff, and I've been trying. I've been starting to work out and drink a lot of water. I feel like I feel like I, I should I shouldn't be like saying that like it's in a bad way but yeah i eat horribly man but um i do a lot of exercise but my how my sleep pattern works is i try to be up for when the europe open europe opens asia opens and new york opens so then sometimes i'll nap in between there but usually the time that i sleep is from 4 a.m to 8 a.m right before the new york stock exchange opens oh so oh so when you produce a report you're going to bed yeah yeah when i put that big report out i'm about to fall asleep Oh shit! Because mm-hmm. I wake up and I'm like, and I wake up pretty early. I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> is he awake right now? Well, I still get I'm up like, at I, eight because yeah. I'm getting messages when I'm going to bed yep, from you yep. in the group, and then I'm like, I wake up and there's already a report made. I'm like, I'm I'm thoroughly convinced you don't sleep at all. <laughs> well, if you sleep, well, if you think about it. No one's really up from four to eight, so technically, I'm not really. I'm not really asleep. It's the one time of the day where no business is done between 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. Like zero business is done during that time of day, especially around the world too. So that's where I try to just, you know, stay asleep because I got friends from all around the world with different funds, investors, 
all yeah. only in North America right now, but they're all in different time zones and they're always traveling. So I like to keep them up to date with reports and everything like that. And everyone appreciates getting something right in the morning. So I, if I was, I like to put myself in other people's shoes. How would you like, if you were trading the markets, how would you like to see it? And I'd say probably first thing in the morning. So if I can beat CNBC no, to it, then I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> if I can beat CNBC, I'm, I'm, I win. I win, I exactly. Win. Damn, exactly. that's crazy. And now, do you have other people that are, like, super professionals like yourself that you're pinging these ideas off of all the time? Yeah, I have a great team of people around me. I have a great group of investors. I have a great group in the group chat. There's about six guys in there. We're kind of like a little team of – we don't even – we don't even call ourselves a team. We all just all are on the same page, and we all have the same goals in life. Mm. So we all just grind. Um, yeah, I have a great group of people around me. I'm just ble- I'm blessed to be around people who want to work hard and want to make money and just continue to grow with me and grow and build other companies. Because that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? It's no no one no one got rich taking money from people, and no one got rich hiding money from people. Mm-hmm. People get rich keeping the circle of money going around. Yeah, 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 it's just, it's a constant ebbs and flows of the dollar bill. It's an ecosystem. Now, in your mind, does success mean a million dollars or a billion dollars or or owning 12 companies or never having to work again? Or is it, you know, I made enough money, my family's taken care of, I can give to charities? Now, my ego says you have to take your company public you have to at least have a billion in the bank own x amount of companies that's what drives me daily now in retrospect in reality like we were talking earlier there's so much suffering going on in the world yeah success is what you want to make it right i'd be happy with x amount million in the bank chilling do i is that all i want to settle for no I want to yeah. reach for the stars and go for billions, right? But like we said, success success is subjective. I like to put myself in other people's shoe around the world, not like these people who have no clue of what's going on in the world. They greedy sons of bitches who only care about themselves, <laughs> right? I like to put myself in other people's shoes and understand what's going on, right? Yeah. Try to make donations to charities, to any type of cause that's going on. I help out any type of cause. People getting bullied nowadays. I've set up a fund, and donate a couple thousand dollars here and there. Just to help out anything, right? Yeah. Harvey, anything like that. Because at the end of the day, if like what like I said earlier, what's the whole point of hoarding money if you're not going to use it for anything else besides invest in cap into businesses? Yeah. Right. So yeah. Damn, that's that's super impressive. That that's how you think, and and you do you're willing to do that for people. I I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, gimme gimme gimme. And don't get me wrong, they work plenty hard for their money they and do they deserve it absolutely but it's just it's always sad to see when you see somebody that's that's working for every nickel and dime and they won't let a let anything go which yeah. is fine keep your money be humble but there's also a time and they there's also a time when you're supposed to take that money and 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 give it to somebody who, who probably needs it more than you well, exactly. Just as much as rich people need poor people oh sorry as much as poor people need rich people rich people need poor people because who's going to buy their shit Mm. Wait, rich people need poor people. Yeah, rich people need poor people. Because think about it. Imagine, think about all the companies Warren Buffett owns. Okay, mm-hmm. Kraft Heinz, uh, 
Duracell. Oh, yeah. Like, the list goes on. His you could go on for dates at home with Apple. Everything that he owns. Who are the main yeah. consumers of those brands? Poor people. Definitely. Mm. If you break it up, rich people, the richest people in the world aren't buying those products, right? It's the average citizens who are keeping these companies afloat. That's why they keep pushing the debt ceiling because they need it to keep the pot stirring. Mm, that's fucking smart. Did you read yeah. that in the book? Uh, yeah, a lot of reading. Uh, have you ever read the book The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith? No. That's another 3,000-page book. That's one like... I say if you've never read that book, you should never even trade. <laughs> really? It's that but, important? Well, yeah, because you learn about every single piece of the economy. You learn about how corn futures affect this and affect that. That's why Trump can't do anything that he wants to do. Is because the entire economy, you need one thing to support the other thing. Mm. Like those, that's why the, all the tech billionaires, and to, like today, the DACA, the dream, the the for the the immigrants who work at the companies, who who or the dreamers, the you know the the DACA thing that Trump removed today, that's mm-hmm. going to affect those tech companies. That's why every CEO is all Tim Cook. Uber's new CEO, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Sheryl Sandberg, all those people are getting outraged today because their best employees are on the DACA. Mm. Look at that. What's the name of that book? The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. It's an old, 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 old book, too. It's a very hard read. It took me an entire year to finish it. I'm not ashamed to say that because it's... It's so boring. <laughs> it's, it's so boring. <laughs> it is. It's extremely boring. But like, if anyone's listening to this and they want to get invested in the market, honestly, read The Wealth of Nations before and let the market crash now. That, but by the time then, the market will recover by the time you're finished the book. Do <laughs> uh, you think we're due for a market correction? Yeah, even though stocks have corrected them, the major stocks in the S&P have corrected 10% in the past three months. I still think a big correction is due. I I don't like to think in conspiracy theories because people think you're crazy. But I do think the powers that be want Trump out. And one of the ways to do it is to crash the market. We'll see, though. We'll see. It's been a year of unpredictability. I mean, look at that Super Bowl, which has happened. That comeback. Right? So, who knows? Mm. Damn. Now, when you're buying these stocks and stuff like that other than your research there's no way to tell like there's no voodoo no no one knows if it's going to keep going up or going down just completely random well no no they're not random at all there's fundamental basis besides like perfect example 10 cent right in china right no other social media company is allowed to operate there uh. 10 cent 10 cent is though so why wouldn't you buy Tencent? That's the biggest population in the world. As imagine Facebook times four, the amount of users, pretty much, if everyone in China was to use WeChat. And that's not, and remember, WeChat's allowed to be used in North America as well. So mm-hmm. that's just, that's, that's, that's a way. Um, so if you're asking about my investing style, my trading style, I would say I'm a stock picker, but I'm also a, a clone investor. So one of the, uh, how, what a clone investor is someone who will look through a 13F filing. So a 13F filing is, a major hedge fund or a major investor, someone who has over $100 million in the stock market, has to file with the SEC and every quarter. So Warren Buffett, Carl Icahn, Bill Ackman, used to, Michael Burry used to report. 
all these big names report quarterly, just like how a company reports quarterly of all the stocks that they hold. So one of the strategies that I do from research and finding all these different variations of hedge funds is I will pick through the 13 apps and see what they're investing in. Mm-hmm. And if I like the play, I will copy it. And so it's called clone investing. So I'll in- clone invest it into my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Another, another, I don't say I trade exactly like Paul Tudor Jones because that guy is a beast to even compare myself to him. is like not even close, but he's a swing trader. And I always talk about that in the group tra- group chat. If you yeah. if there was a simple way to explain my trading, it would be swing trading. So I like to buy a stock, hold it for two two to three weeks. That's just minimum. Maximum is three to six months. Hopefully for a buyout that is going to get bought out by another big company, or it's a trend investment that say, I don't know, drones are going to be very popular because of what just happened. So you invest in the drone company, right? Mm. So stuff like that. And now. Was that always your play style or was that like... Always. That's how I was taught from my university professor. Just cloning. Cloning and stock picking. It's, like you could, it's the only way you're going to get truly rich. If you like not Sorry. I shouldn't say it's the only way to get rich. There's tons of ways to get rich in the stock uh-huh. market. But it's the, the cleanest way, I guess you can say, without doing something boring as well. You, you control it. You have the most control. That's the best way. You have the most control over it. And if you're wrong, you have only one person to blame, yourself. Mm. Now, can you this. explain the difference between, because you probably can do it a lot better than I can. Yeah. What for for people that are listening? What the difference between like a swing trader is, mm-hmm. uh, and like a day trader, and I guess other variations sure. of traders. For sure. So there's day traders who will try to take advantage of what there is daily. So let's we'll use a perfect example as a an earnings report. So during earnings season, let's say Apple didn't sell as many iPhones as expected, or mm-hmm. as much as the as Wall Street anticipates. So a day trader will read that report and go short Apple on that day because it's going to go down. But then as soon as the next day he opens, he covers his short and buys it right back. That would be because he's in it for the day. He's in it for the day trade off of a certain type of news. That's just an example. Another example would be like, so you know how I put those commodity reports up, those weather reports? So a day trade would be like, let's say if it's really windy or sorry, really rainy in Iowa right now, you short. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. If it's really rainy in soybeans, you, sorry. If it's really rainy in Iowa, <laughs> you buy soybeans futures for that day because you anticipate that the growth is going to go up or something like that. That would be a day trade. Now, a swing trader would be a perfect example is what I'm doing of Kratos, that security stock. Yeah. The drone company. So I bought that stock three months ago at $7 a share. Now, mm-hmm. My only reason buying that stock was Donald Trump is going to be in office. He's going to spend more money in defense spending. And it's yeah. a defense stock, and it's a benefactor of that. So I said, this is a trend trade, a swing trade. I'm going to hold this for six months and see where it goes. I'm up 46% on that stock from holding it from that. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that's where swing trading comes into effect. Now, a long-term investor would be someone like, say, a Warren Buffett or a Carl Icahn. Well, not really so much Carl Icahn. Who's a long-term guy? There's so many long-term guys out there. David Tepper, tons of guys out there. Anyways, a long-term investor would buy a stock and hold it. So say say if we'll use Snapchat as an example today. Let's mm. say if you think Snapchat is going to have more users than Facebook in 25 years. Yeah. And because you believe that from the millennial usage and the amount of Gen Z 
who use Snapchat, you would invest yeah. your portfolio into Snapchat and say you're a long Snapchat. And that would be a long-term investor because you're holding it for the potential long growth of the company. Damn. Mm-hmm. That So, to completely break off topic, no do problem. you think that Snapchat or Facebook... Do you think there's a Snapchat or Facebook in the future, like 25 years down? Oh, yes. There's always going to be something new. We're eventually going to get bored of Facebook or Twitter. There'll be something where virtual reality or new type of technology will step in and knock it off. Just like in the 2000s when we never thought we'd be off the cell phone. Then the BlackBerry came and everyone was on BBM. And that only lasted for, what, three, four years. It's all fads. It's all yeah. They're trying to stretch it out as long as they can until they can't. And we, the consumers, go where we go. <laughs> I'm cu- oh, then I'm curious to know what's gonna happen because BBM was the shit. Yeah, I never had I never had a BlackBerry, but I wanted one for BBM. Oh, I love BBM. If BBM was so popular today, I would be using it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I loved BBM. I don't like uh, WhatsApp that much. I don't like Facebook Messenger. I definitely don't like Snapchat. I like the company's potential just because I see my my little brother. Have you ever used Snapchat before? Yeah. Have you seen yeah, the Snapchat? You can Snap- see where fucking people are. Okay, that thing, right? I can my see little- where I know where you are. Exactly. Exactly. My little brother, he can't even load his because he has so many people on it that like all you see are these <laughs> little humans just popping up everywhere. <laughs> it's crazy. So like I saw that as soon as Snapchat hit $12 and I saw that Snap Maps and I'm like this is an undervalued company because they have so many users. Despite oh, you're in ghost every... mode now. I'm just trying to creep on you. Yeah, you can't find me now. Uh, I've been in ghost mode. I've got, got into a little argument with uh, a few people. Lots of, well, not mentioning the girl's name, but you know you know how it goes. Yeah. Oh, you my God. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, th- dude, snap- I didn't know that. I had seen, I had seen the... The people talking about the this the the snap map and i was like oh that's cool didn't know it was a real thing and then i hopped on and i went into it and i was like oh my god it's creepy but creepiest cool thing shit. ever yeah that's the funny the funniest thing is I, I i did a little poll of this anyone over the age of 20 thinks uh-huh. the snap maps is completely creepy and anyone under the age of 20 thinks it's completely awesome <laughs> That's, I, I guess, I don't know, because we're older, I feel like that's, it's such, like your little brother is a prime example. He has yep. so many friends. Does yes. he want those people to know exactly where he lives all the time? Like, are they his he, friends? Or he says like he doesn't friends? phase them. He says it doesn't bother him. He's like, I have nothing to hide. Why does it matter? So I'm just like, okay, I guess that makes a lot of sense. But like, the, yeah, even if you have nothing to hide, somebody's going to not like you. Right, that's what, I, that's, that's what I said. Like, I'm like, eventually something bad's going to happen. He's like, I don't know. Like, This doesn't happen with our generation. I'm like, okay, we'll see. That doesn't, that's not going to last too long. I just, I think it's like crazy. Like, I'm looking at all all my friends on, on Snapchat. I'm like, oh, these people are together. Oh, these people are yeah, together. Yeah, you, you can see where people are. It's kind of creepy. I'm like, holy f- the best are when the girls turn off the snap, snap the, their 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 location at night because you know they're getting up to something freaky. Get themselves in a little bit of trouble. They don't want to know where everyone's hiding, where they're hiding at at night. But I I love the concept. I think the concept is ridiculously cool. It's a great but... company. It's going to be good one day. They're eventually going to be worth more than what they're worth today. 
I mean, look at Facebook. They weren't just, they weren't shit. They were shitty at the beginning, but eventually they got a lot better. It's just how it goes, right? These guys have millions of dollars to work with. They're obviously going to do something with it, and if they don't, shame on them. And then everybody sells their stock, and the company fails, and they go out of business. Exactly, but it takes a lot for that to happen. Damn. So, so I have a question. What's when that? a company goes bankrupt, does that stock just tank through the floor? Oh, that's a crazy question you're asking me now. Yes, because <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking because, somebody. But there's all types. There's all types of alternatives and shit that can happen. But yeah, like when what? a company goes bankrupt, it's going to zero. The stock is going to zero, definitely. Like on the on the exchange, it's going to zero. But it doesn't mean this company is still not alive. I mean, I just read an article the other day that Lehman Brothers is filing for bankruptcy again. My Lehman Brothers, didn't they fail already? <laughs> yeah. Right, but yeah, they're falling for bankruptcy again. So I mean, there's there's a whole whole bunch of stuff to it. But yeah, once a company, if you hear if you hear a company you're invested in is about to go bankrupt, get the hell out. <laughs> oh my god, because I because like I guess Ford was bought out, but Ford went, was about to go bankrupt a couple of years back. G GM. Yeah, a bunch of them. There was a lot of them. I but know a few was... people who lost a lot of money in GM. But if you so now, if you had, let's say, I bought Ford back before it happened at like twenty bucks a share, the company went bankrupt, but now it's back to like twenty five dollars a share. Are my shares still the same? I think you would lose your shares in the bankruptcy, and you'd have to rebuy it because I think they relisted. I'm not too sure to explain it. I can't explain exactly what happened after the crisis and everything because remember, I didn't get in until 2011. Yeah. Uh, so true, to, true. to give you a, I would be doing you a disservice trying to explain it to you exactly and term for term. From my understanding, though, when I, my experience of trading companies, I've shorted a few companies to zero when they went bankrupt because uh, it's just a pretty much 100% return guaranteed. Once you short it, once they're going to zero, it's easy because you know where it's going. Yeah, it goes to zero and you don't see it ever again. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and this shit just happens regularly. Yeah, so well, now, not what... regular. They fail companies. Yeah, what Shitty is? Companies. What's one of the greatest things that you think you've learned in stock trading and how it's affected your life? No one cares if you win. If you lose, no one gives a shit. That's so positive. I love it. <laughs> it's true. No one gives a shit. You could have the greatest trade. I remember I had one of like the best trades ever. And was, this is a funny story because the guy who knows like, my partner, he knows the story exactly. So um, you remember when Pokemon Go became popular? Yeah. And people right. almost died. Right. So I remember I'm going through Facebook one day. I'm sitting at my desk, my trade desk. I'm looking at Facebook. I look out the window. I see all these fucking teenagers just running across the street filming each other. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I start looking. Pokemon makes a comeback. So immediately my brain first thinks, how do we get in on this to make some money? (laughs) Nintendo stock was trading at like $29 a share. I was like, oh, this is going to fly. It hasn't even been affected by this Pokemon news yet. I just start buying, buying. And it was over-the-counter stocks. So it took a while for the orders to go through. I kept buying, buying, buying. So then me and my partner were taking off to Vancouver the next day. And um, I, I tell him, he's like, what would you buy today? I was like, oh, I bought a, excuse me, I bought a shit ton of Nintendo stock. And um, he starts going, he starts losing it on me in the airport line. He starts getting <laughs> real mad at me. What, what, Nintendo? 
Are you fucking kidding me? Nintendo? <laughs> the Wii? What? What are you talking? I'm like, dude, do you remember Pokemon? And then I say that. He's like, are you fucking kidding? Pokemon? Our investors are paying us a fee and you're going to say fucking Pokemon to me right now? Right? And then, and this is all happening in line, right? This is all happening in line at the airport. So then, sure enough, the weekend goes by. And I start, I'm, we're in Vancouver and there's a lot of Asian people in Vancouver. Yeah. And there, a lot of them were playing Pokemon Go. So I started pointing. I said, you see that? You see that those people are playing Pokemon? He's like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Monday, the stock opens up at $42 a share. Jesus. Right? My partner's just like, yeah, I knew it was going to go up. I'm like, bullshit. Bullshit. No, that was not what you said two days oh, ago. Oh, my God. That's not what you said two days ago. But, yeah, you win or you lose. No one gives a shit at the end of the day, even if you make them a lot of money. Because then they're going to say, yeah, I always believed in you. So at the end of the day, you have to perform. It's like that quote by Paul Tudor Jones, losers, average losers. If you're going to be a loser, you're going to continue to be a loser. But if you always continue to win, you'll continue to always win. So that's what I always try to do is dominate each day and do the best that I can to always win. Damn. And that's the motto of stock stocks. Uh, well, million dollars isn't cool is the motto of stock shirts. But yeah, the, lo- the motto for JR is losers, average losers. I got that one from Paul Tudor Jones. I learned a lot from that guy's books and his documentaries. Paul Tudor Jones, I'm writing these things down so I could his book, research them. His book, um, I think I shared it in the group chat a, a while back. Uh, the book is called Operations of a Stock Stock Manager. Yeah, Operations of a Stock Manager. I believe it's called. Hold up, I got to get the right name for it. I can't be, I can't be slandering it. Yeah, Paul go, Tudor. yeah, do what you gotta do. I I can't be slandering. I'm just going to iBooks right now. I cannot be slandering the great Paul Tudor Jones on my first podcast interview. And he's a trader. He's a trader, one of the greats of all time, most un- underrated trader I've ever. You don't hear much about him, but he keeps operate. Reminiscence of a stock operator. There you go. Reminiscence of a stock operator. That's the best one. Reminiscence of a stock operator. Yeah. That's the one that I've learned so much from. And it's just like, he talks about like his startup and the stock markets and everything like that. And he's just a, he's a fascinating character. That's for sure. Damn. Now, do you think there'll ever be a point in, in time where you are like, you know what? I'm done trading stocks. Like I just want to run companies and, and manage companies and stuff like that. There's a lot of days. I think that, yeah, there's a lot of days where I don't want to be trading. Mm-hmm. I was a lot of like there was a time where so the last France election if I don't know if you pay attention to <laughs> to France anyways I was shorting no. the France markets because I thought that the markets would sell off on the new president because he had a, a brand new electoral party and usually when that happens markets sell off but it actually rallied so my short went against me and I was down a lot of money my investors were down on me um I just got out of a relationship and it seemed like she was leaving because the fund was under pressure. So it was like a lot of things. I was just like, man, if I wasn't trading, I was just doing a regular, you know, managing companies and just helping grow companies and not in the stock market, I would be so less stressed right now. But then yeah. also, I wouldn't have as much money I would have for a 24-year-old. So there's... <laughs> yeah, it's risk and risk, risk versus reward. Exactly. I got so much. I shouldn't be complaining. I mean, for a 24 year old, I got it pretty well. So I can't really complain. But yeah, there's definitely some days where I just like the stress just eats and piles on. And it's just, just like, why am I doing this? Damn. Mm-hmm. 
That's crazy. I was gonna say I didn't know. I didn't. I I figured there's probably some kind of end game, but oh, everybody's yes. is different. I want to eventually, you know, take a company public, run a stock exchange, do that, have a family, and whatnot. But yeah, you know, there's there's all types of goals for that. But yeah, with the end game for what I'm doing with Canava and Stock Sharks and Pay and all the startups that I'm invested in, of course, I want to make it right. Mm-hmm. It's just you also got to be realistic too. You can't just say I'm going to be a billionaire. How are you going to do it, right? <laughs> like, it's like yeah. you, you're in the podcast game. Any why you have a good podcast because you put good content out, right? You attract list, you, you attract good listeners, so people are going to listen. But if you, you know it for a fact, any idiot can get a mic and start talking to people. But no one's yeah. going to listen if there's no content or no anything behind yeah. it, right? So you're a content fiend. Yes, I love my content. You know me. I have my twenty. I got twenty podcasts on deck now. That I try to stream through. That's crazy. I, I have like twelve, and I can't even listen to all of them. Oh, I don't I'm, get through all of them. Don't get me wrong. I still got eight uh, episodes to listen to this week. Yeah, no, I have like thirty to listen to. I'm so far behind. It piles now I have up. To pick and choose. It piles up. It piles up. And and um, fuck, you watch Game of Thrones. The other show I want to watch. Gotta get on that one. Stock, there's a lot of stock movies, though. A lot of stock TV shows. I'm currently watching... I'm re-watching Billions right now. That's a good TV show. Is it? It's a really good TV show, yeah. It's about the stock market. Um, a guy who works on CNBC is a co-writer, cool Andrew Ross Sorkin. It's a really good show. Hmm. Good to know. Hmm. Just trying to check the time here. Damn, we yeah, just crushed an hour. Right on. That's crazy. It felt like 20 minutes. Dude, I still can't get over the fact that I, when we, when we hung up the last time, I was like, oh, it was a good conversation. Like, I'm glad I got to talk to you, whatever. Figured 15 minutes went by, 10 minutes went by. (laughs) And it wasn't until you posted, posted, like, getting ready for a podcast. And then, like, the, the phone number blurred out, but the time was an hour and 15 minutes ago. I spent an hour and fifteen minutes on FaceTime the other night. Last <laughs> night, I was like, just, "Holy shit!" Just talking about ideas. I know. Yeah, just literally <laughs> bouncing ideas off each other. I don't want to get too much into them because I know that there's certain things that you can and can't say. Yeah, I just don't want to get in trouble with lawyers and regulators and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So for anyone who's listening and they're like, "Why is he being a little vague?" Why is he just asking weird, weird questions? I am dancing around the ideas of no, so nobody gets in trouble. And I, we appreciate that. We appreciate yeah. that. We appreciate yeah. all you do don't, for us, Harrison. Don't think, yes, and just for you, bud. So for anyone who's like Harrison, these are not your like your typical. This is not your typical show. I'm like, I I get that. I don't want anyone anyone to go to jail. We have there's, <laughs> there's money on the line. Oh no, no jail people can involved. get in trouble. No jail involved. No jail involved. I just don't want to get a market manipulation charge or anything like that. Or Wait, an advisor. <laughs> or a an market advisory. manipulation charge. Or is, well, yeah, like we're so say if someone has a big position in a stock, mm-hmm. and I tell a hundred people to go buy that stock, mm-hmm. and then as soon as the last person bought it, I sell it, but I don't tell them to sell it. Mm. That would be not that I do that, but I just don't want to. Can a hundred people move one stock? You think? Uh, not the right really. Amount of money. The right amount of money. I mean, not not the people in the group chat. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, you never know how much they actually have. 
I know, I know, I know how much they have. I, I know how much some of them have and how much they don't have. So, yeah, and you can kind of tell by the way some people talk how much they have. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of your listeners they're talking. They're like, "This guy's a trader. He doesn't sound like some guys on Wall Street." Well, yeah, yeah, I'm not your typical guy on Wall Street. I'm a stock picker. I'm a private equity guy. Yeah, yeah, hang out in Canada all day, man. Exactly, man. With a with hang a flapjacks are delicious. You, you got to come up here, man. We got everything you guys got. It's just a little bit colder. I'm down to come. Yeah, I'll I'll see you in one year. Just think about it. We don't have traffic. That's what you gotta. That's what you uh, gotta mainly remember. We don't have traffic. It's like America with healthcare, no guns, and no traffic. <laughs> I was I was trying to explain to you before, because you, you're and you'll be and hopefully we could do a live show when when you're back when you're in New York. Yeah, the twenty eighth. I'll be down. Yeah. So we'll do another show on the twenty eighth. What uh, what New York is like. Oh, I'm going to be so shocked, man. Because you've never been. And, and I I live, fuck, an hour and 15 minutes away from New York, and I hate going. <laughs> you kind of sound like a small-town guy like me. Like, I love my little, I like, the, you know what the thing is I, I've come to realize? If I can't find a parking spot in, like, a couple seconds, I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to look around for a, a spot to put a car Oh, to, for it to be convenient. I can only imagine how bad. We don't got that problem up here. In Vancouver, we have that problem. In Toronto, but definitely not in the other cities. Other cities, yeah. there's a whole mess of land to park. <laughs> yeah. It's like where I'm from, everybody's got driveways. There's plenty of parking. Every mm. building's got a parking lot. Like in New York City, you're, there's it's a disaster. It's a rat pit. <laughs> yeah. But you know what, though, on the flip side of it, you, there are like a lot of benefits. There's always a cab or an Uber to take. There's always a train to grab. It's um, it's crazy. That's yeah, all the economy see, too. You see all. like a lot of different shit. Um, I mean, there's street performers on every corner, or somebody singing on every corner. That's gonna and, blow my mind because yeah. in Canada, that's called a homeless person. <laughs> well, there's, don't get me wrong. There's homeless people too. A oh, lot of them. I bet. And I bet. There's a, there's a statistic that the average homeless person in New York City makes fifty thousand dollars a year, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Like that's because people but, that are visiting from around the world give money to them. And oh if, really? And I'm not saying that they don't need it. Oh, they could very well. I thought you were it. saying there are people who have jobs just to cost no. living is so. Oh, hot. there's there's that too. <laughs> like every once in a while, there's a there's a Facebook video that gets out of somebody who. He's like, oh, you know, I'm injured, I'm injured. And then as soon as the person walks around the corner, they search back and the guy's getting up and walking away. <laughs> and you're like, what on earth? Only in New but, York. I, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen those videos. Only in New York. <laughs> you can't believe York. anything you see in New York. It's all false. It's all false. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard that before. I'm probably going to get robbed when I go there, to be honest. Because it's going to be like, oh, that's a Canadian. We're going to get that guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Canadians are so nice, man. He's so friendly. Did you know that the rest of the world thinks Canadians are nice people? Yeah, but we're all, honestly, man. There's a lot of fucked up people here. A lot of racist people too. Don't don't let the don't let our prime minister make us look too friendly. We got some problems here too. <laughs> we got some poverty here too. You know, it's not all. Oh my god! It's not oh, that's right. You tell me about the prime minister, and people didn't even know who he was for a while. Yeah, when I was a kid, like when I was really, really young. Like, I barely even knew who the prime minister was. Our new prime minister, everyone knows him because he's a young, good-looking guy. But our old guy, old prime minister, Stephen Harper, nobody knew who he was. 
but Trudeau, I mean, I'm pretty sure some of your listeners know who Justin Trudeau is compared to who Stephen Harper was. So right. he's just, he's like the white Obama. He's our Obama. Mm. He's a good guy, though. He's good. He's good. I don't knock our government. We have the best government in the world, is what I say. It's just, it's awesome here. I love Canada, man. You're going to come up here and you're going to love it, too. It's just, I don't know, the winter. Yeah. The winter might kill you. I was going to say, that's why I said maybe in a year. Like when it starts to get warm again, because like we're getting into the cold months soon. Like oh, it just started getting cool here on Long Island. I'm like, fuck this, man. I just turned my air conditioner off for the season. Off? Uh, yeah, done. Got to get the furnace ready. <laughs> uh, we got snow coming next month. Snow comes in October. Next month? Yeah, that's when it starts to get cold in October. And then it stay, shit. But then it, it doesn't stay till about November 20th. From the last six years that I've been following the weather... November 20th is when it usually stays. What do you mean? You, like the snow sticks to the ground? Yeah, then you got snow for a solid four months. Could be for like cool. October, it'll just be like wishy-washy, really sludgy and stuff like that. Kind of like what spring is, just a little bit harsher, and then it gets really bad around November. Yeah, no, I'll see you next year. Yeah, come 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 in uh, come in April. That's the best time when everything's green. We'll set that up. I'll come visit you if you want. Come up, man. Do a live show up here. You come That'd to be Toronto. Sick. There's a bunch of guys in the stock search group that are in Toronto. So I'm, are they I really? Out, yeah, I hang out in Toronto a lot too. So maybe you should maybe you should set up a live show in Toronto. Oof. That'd be pretty Oof. cool. Do hopefully, a, the, hopefully this will be a little bit bigger and we can grow, we can grow a crowd up there. Well, if the marketing advice I'm going to send you after the show and throughout the week, hopefully it helps too. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Anytime, man. Anytime. All right, man. Any, uh, before uh, you ready to wrap this thing up? I'm good to go, man. I appreciate you bringing me on the podcast. Uh, I figure I, won't, I don't know how to say thank you and end it, but I appreciate everything you do for me, man. No, absolutely. Really absolutely. It. Uh, any social media plugins, anyone, anything? Um, if anyone websites? wants to follow the stock, my stock picking, you could follow stock sharks on Instagram. Or visit the website Stock Sharks Alerts. Anyone wants to get in contact with me, you can email me on that site or visit our funds website, canavacapital.com. Canava, K E N A B A. There you go. All right, All right man. Everybody. Thanks, brother. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking some time out to uh, share your insights on everything. I'll see you in, on the 28th when I'm up in, in New York. Um, either that or I'm sure I'll be talking to you on the, uh, the group chat shortly. Oh, for sure. All right, see you later, man. All right, man, take care. Hey, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Really, really appreciate it. Um, The fact that you made it all the way this far in the episode means the world to me. Um, Also, just a quick recap. Please subscribe if you enjoyed the the show. It's tremendous. Uh, Gives me a good idea of where the numbers are at. Um, and if you enjoyed it, share it. I'm constantly just trying to produce better material to uh, for, for your enjoyment. And then also we have the Draft Top giveaway. Thank you so much to Draft Top for sponsoring a giveaway of the, the device that makes your beer topless. It slices off the top part of the beer. There's no sharp edges or anything like that. And it's like taking your beer glass or beer can and drinking it out of a pint glass. Um, just a really cool invention. I love taking it out to parties and stuff like that. And it's just... It's a great little tool. It also has a bottle opener on it as well, and it's built really, really well. It's going to last forever. Um, so, and I, and it's super cool. They started on Kickstarter. Their whole sto- their whole story is pretty incredible. 
Um, on that note, thank you so much to the Nerds That Care for being your outsourced IT company. We, uh, I'm a part of them, are constantly working on making sure that your company is up and running at 100%. Your employees are not wasting valuable time in the office. And when you hire an outsourced IT company like this, they are constantly working on making improvements inside your inside your offices as well as making sure that your employees are working 100% or near 100% of the time. And it's cool because you 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 bring them into your company to basically work on it for all your IT needs for so you don't have to pay one of those ridiculously expensive IT people in-house that's there all the time. And if the, there's no work for them to do, they're not really doing anything but monitoring everything. So when you have an outsourced IT company, software can monitor a lot of it. And then if there's any problems, you have somebody that fixes it. And they're, they're people on Long Island. So you're not going to the other side of the world or anywhere like that. They're, they're around the corner from you that are willing to help. So thank you so much to the nerds that care. Until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening.